All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Wave. It's your boy, Jordan, and a special guest of mine, my boy, Mateo. Hey, what's up? How's it going? All right. Um, He runs a fantastic thing in New Haven called Fantastic, Fantastic Forgotten Fleet. It's a fantastic event, um, and it will never be forgotten. Nope. Uh, and we were just talking about some things, you know, before we started recording with the various things that we had to deal with about some of the things that brought uh, our friend Mateo into starting Forgotten Flea. So how about you continue? Uh, what brought you to starting this wonderful thing in Connecticut? All right, sweet. So I guess we can start. I don't even know where to start. Um, started it about three years ago now. I think the summer will be the third year. Um, it, w it was an idea that I had, but a buddy of mine, Phil, his Instagram is... Um, Fuck, I feel like an idiot. Philly, uh, Philly Santana. If you just look up Philly or secondhand, secondhand feels. There we go. Childs. Secondhand feels. Uh, Philly, good, good, good dude. He just moved down down to uh, Florida with his family, but um, he did the first one in uh, Heaven Skate Park in Hartford, um, like three years ago, and gathered up all the the vintage resellers that he could. Everybody was down. We didn't even know how to do it, but we just did it, and then. It was crazy because like a few weeks before that, we were chatting. I was chatting with some people. I wanted to do one in New Haven, but uh, the space I wanted to use was Yale property. They weren't with it at the time, whatever. Um, got shot down. I was looking for a venue. Then he did it at the skate park, and I was like, fuck it. Like, I let him know, that, like, yo, I want to do this. We're going to do it at the Edgewood skate park if you're cool. And he was like, bro, go crazy. So I did one at Edgewood. It was bananas. And then it just kind of was a snowball effect ever since then. But yeah, it was just something to to give vintage and 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 streetwear resellers and local designers a platform to sell their product without having to go to New York City or Boston or Rhode Island or any of these bigger you know cities in these states around us. Like they had all the markets and we had nothing. We only had like old school flea markets that you can't sell that type of shit there. So. I wanted to just make something that you can like go and, and sell that kind of product there in Connecticut because we just we did not have that. And there was no scene here, really. Like we had some shops, some stores, but they were all spread out. They were all like, I don't know, nobody was really making it happen. And I was like, fuck it, like we got to make it happen. And so we did. I, I do feel like a lot of people are appreciative to have this outlet to sell those items. And shit, I'm appreciative for you to be here because I caught one of my favorite pieces of facts, clothing facts. from there and you know like um it is it is really cool to have something that's so local because even though connecticut is right next to like these bigger cities we kind of feel like we're on the outskirts of everything yeah we do um there used to be a joke because i used to live i used to live in brooklyn up until the age of nine and i moved here okay and there used to be a joke that they were like new york always gets things first they always get things yeah everybody first. was saying that for a long time and like yeah like you can think about it that way but also you have to have those people who are willing to like bring the cutting edge things to Connecticut. Yeah, facts. You know, like you have we have to um build that economy for people to feel comfortable enough to try and do those things. I I do think that's a thing that like prohibits or holds back holds back a yeah. lot of people because they're like, what if people aren't rocking with it? What if people aren't feeling it? What if people don't come? And it takes a lot of courage to like 
I'm going to do this thing. And it's not even like I'm going to make a rap album and it may flop and then nobody will hear from me. Yeah. I'm going to get a collective of people to sell their things. And you kind of have to like rely on people to like, if you want this thing to keep going, yeah, I'm going to need you to support it. If people didn't fuck with it, it wasn't going to happen. But you just got to think about it like, if they don't rock with it, then what position are you when you're in the same fucking spot you were before you tried it? So it's like, why not give it a shot and then fail? You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, you got absolutely nothing to lose and potentially everything to gain. I mean, my life, bro, it's, it's when you look at it, it's just a flea market. We uh-huh. just sell clothing, but it's offered me an outlet and offered a lot of people an outlet to express themselves, make money that they need. You know what I mean? And, and, dive deeper into uh fashion individuality and creativity than they probably ever thought they could have i love the environment that forgotten flea has because it's like it's so like you have to be in the culture to know you know like it's yeah. so cool to be there it's not like ella grasso your mom brings you there we're gonna get some like dusty ass fake um fake gucci belts yeah and yeah yeah they, you know when i go there everybody seems so souped to be there and that's what made me so excited about being there initially um how did the um the partnership because we we went over to that um the show and tell event oh with over, plush yeah with yeah plush. how that how that happened because that's cool so that's gonna be that's not even a long story. That's a quick one. So shout out Sir Michael. He um he works at Plush and he's a skater around New Haven. Good dude, really good homie of mine. He was telling me like over the summer before Plush even opened, like a little bit before summer started, like, oh, you know, there's a skate shop that's about to open. These two skaters are gonna open. I'm like, that's sick for the for the scene, because in my mind, skate, hip hop, punk rock, vintage, streetwear, it's all one big melting pot that like borrow from one another and for aesthetics, for everything. So I'm like, word, if, you know, I, we have the Forgotten Fleas and and we're adding a new cool piece to the puzzle with Plush, like to the city, you know what I'm saying? That's just super dope. So I was like, I want to make acquaintance with them and see if like they'd be down to sponsor a flea market. And I, didn't, I wasn't looking for money or anything like that, but like they're a new business in town. I'm still a new business in town. Like we can help each other. And that was my thought process. Like we get to put your guy's name on flyers, yada, yada, yada. We could do something. Maybe you guys come in like with a booth for free, like whatever. So I like, I go in there and Sir Mike is like, yo, let me introduce you to Trevor. Um, He's one of the pro skaters and one of the owners. I'm like, that's super cool. Like, let me, let me meet him. I uh, talk with Trevor and I shoot the idea at him and just let him know who I am, what I do. And he was super, super, super receptive off rip. Hella interested um and it just made sense for both of us like we clicked uh swapped numbers and we just started talking about like everything we can do um and so that that's how that happened we we decided to do an event the store isn't huge it's it's a nice size store but we can't fit forgotten flea numbers in there so we had to like um basically skim it down to like myself and one other vendor to um to vend in there so it, it's going to be a, a reoccurring thing hopefully as long as everything goes right um every last saturday of every month going forward is going to be myself and another vendor primarily uh another vintage vendor but some some designers stuff like that um myself another person uh and yeah it's just under the show and tell umbrella as a forgotten fleet production by myself plush and the third vendor and that's how that happened and the next one is actually 
I think it's not this weekend, but next weekend. I think it's the twenty fifth. Yep, March twenty fifth. It's gonna be myself and a mini PNG, um, uh, shop to open on Audubon, uh, middle of last year. Super cool girl. Uh, her boyfriend's my homie. Real good people. Um, she does. Uh, she designs her own stuff, customs and reworked uh vintage as well. Super dope mm-hmm. shit. So if you're in the area. She's on Audubon to take a stop by. But also, if you just want to, like, come support the flea market, you can come to Plush on uh, the 25th, and you can get a little taste of everything. of the Forgotten Flea, of Mini, of Plush, of everything. It's going to be a super dope event. Yeah, the first event was really cool. It was sick. It was really, really cool. My bro Isaiah, like, <laughs> my bro Isaiah brought so much stuff, but he was dripped out. Like, yeah, he fact. got his, him and his girl, like, matching jackets. Fact. He was dripped out. And I was really excited because, like, um, just seeing... You know, forgotten flea on that flyer. I'm just really excited talking about it. So like, just seeing it on the flyer, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Seeing stuff like that, that's cool. Like, yeah. You're right. Um, in New Haven, especially, there's a lot of people who are in the hip hop scene, the skater scene, and even the rock scene that people Fact. don't talk about. Yeah. And that all that undergroundish culture that really like no nobody really rocks with us, so we rock with us. Yeah, like, yeah. That culture really needs. Outlets to help it, outlets yeah. and things to help it grow. So it's really cool that your first one was at a skate park. Yeah, Honestly, that that's where we got started with that really the fucking cool. skate parks, bro. And and yeah, that shit was just sick. And once we like, once I sat down and looked at it as a business, yeah, and started to look at it not how I can make money off of it, but how we can use money to aid it. Yeah, started to collect vendor fees and started to put money into advertisements. Once we like, it took like a year of trial and error, how to run an ad the right way, everything right. Once I cracked the little Da Vinci code of how to run the ad the right way and all that shit, that first one that we that I did right was crazy. And it was one of the biggest that we ever had. Still, it was over a thousand people that came out and shopped. I think it was like the beginning of last summer. And it was fucking bananas. Like so many people came out. We had so many vendors. It was just crazy. It was it was so sick. And then from there, it's just been going crazy. How does that make you feel in your spirit when you see like <laughs> Something like, yeah, you get those type of questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. How does it make you feel in your spirit when you're like, damn, like, I put in this work, you know, there was some stuff that happened along the way, but, like, now I'm seeing that people are really appreciating what I'm putting out um, in New Haven. How does that make you feel, like, within yourself? It makes me happy, but it makes me uh, hungry for the rest of the things that I am starting to put on my plate, I'm ready to eat it now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like exactly. there's so much more that I want to do that is already in the works that I just can't wait to accomplish. And at this point we're doing two to three forgotten fleas a month, whether it be one of them being a show and tell at plush, one of them being a full fledged forgotten flea with, you know, 20 plus 30 plus vendors and something else I'm working on as well. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for where it's gotten. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the support and everybody rocking with me, all the vendors. But I'm more so happy that I'm being able, I've been able to give a platform to other people who otherwise maybe couldn't have paid their bill. I know a couple of young people that come and vend with me that like they don't sell online. They're in a fucked up position. They can't, you know, resell online. They can't do whatever. And they fuck with the fleas because that's how they pay their bills. That's how they stay afloat. And like, I... I sympathize with that situation and I can appreciate that. And like, it makes me feel good that I'm able to help them and put them on game and teach them shit about reselling, about business, about X, Y, and Z. Like that's what 
really makes me happy about it is like the networking aspect and being able to like do for others while I'm also doing for myself and doing for the scene. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a trifecta of like giving back. You right. know what I mean? I feel that. That's that's what makes me the happiest about it. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide on the state house? I fucked with the I I'll be honest, I didn't even know about the state house until I was in so I'm good friends with the dudes that own and, and, and work at lower forms. Mm-hmm. It's a vintage shop in Westville. Really dope people, Adam, Matt, Ross, Alex, like they're all good people. And I went in there, I was just I, I went in there to buy a shirt and I got there like early as fuck. And it was a shirt that my homie Matt, who picks for them and, and manages the shop, he had picked. And I seen like he had posted it and I was bugging him about it. I really wanted it. I collect rap tees. It was a sick rap tee. I really, really wanted it. He was like, I'll let you know what I price it at when it goes in the store. So he told me I was there like an hour early. I just had to get it. I was eating Dunkin' across the street, uh-huh. sitting in the front. I'm cool with Ross. So he like lets me in 30 minutes early. We're chopping it up, talking. Uh-huh. And I'm telling him like, yo, Ross, like I need a new spot for the Forgotten Fleas. Like it's getting too big now and it's getting cold out. Right, 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 right. This was around like the beginning of um, fall last year. Brick. The brick is fuck. Yeah, it's cold as fuck. Like, we can't go outside anymore. It's getting, shit. it's getting dark early. It's raining and shit. We can't do nothing. He was like, well... Uh, my buddy Carlos owns the state house. If you want me to put you in contact with him, I was like, fuck it. Give me his number. Like, so I texted him. It was on a Friday and Carlos hit me back ASAP. He's like, sounds good. I'm very interested. Let's pick up back, pick up back on this uh, when Monday comes around. So Monday comes around. I hit him up ASAP, like 10 in the morning. We work out some details. He gives me the price. And from there, like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I overbooked it with too many vendors mm-hmm. and I felt bad. I gave some people free vending spots. I try to make it right as best I can. Yeah. I think I did three or four forgotten fleas at the state house. But after the first one, the second, third, I think we did three. The second and third were like perfect. We we booked it perfect. It was perfect. Hella people came out. And the last one that we did at the state house was ODOD. Yeah. Um finally like finalized it, got it perfect. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that one was sick. And and I really well maybe want to keep going back there. Although it was small and I wanted to expand, it was perfect for what we needed at the time. Um it was affordable. Mm-hmm. Carlos was super like chill, laid back about a lot of shit. He wasn't like, you know, other venue owners I've tried to work with. They're mad, ball breaky and mad rules and shit. Obviously, there's laws and rules we got well, we got to follow. But like little nitpicky shit, I, I, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, we, we can't. But like, I don't know. He was just cool about a lot of stuff and he helped us out when we really, really, really needed it. So I wanted to keep going back to keep you know, I didn't know about it, so I'm not saying it's a small venue. A lot of people know about it, but I didn't, and I've lived in New Haven my whole life. The first time I've been in the state house was for your event. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I was so. like, if we can help each other, you're helping me. Yeah. I'm helping you. I'm bringing you people. Like, and I was putting uh people that I know that make music in contact with him to maybe do shows there, yeah. host listening parties. So I was like, well, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, so it just it just made sense, and and also like I said earlier, it's it's a I think. It's traditionally like a rock or punk venue. There's hella hip hop shows, but when you go in there, you get this grungy vibe. That's like yeah. a rock venue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's just part of that's just part of um what we were going for. Like all the different like um all the 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 different scenes in New Haven that borrow from one another. I was like, fuck it. Like if we could do a hip hop like a traditional hip hop venue or like a traditional punk rock venue, it'd be sick to do it either because yes. we've already done the skate parks. So now we could take from other parts of the scene yeah, and like bring it all together it again. All together. Yeah, that's what I that's what I really liked about it. And I really like again like how it looked in there. Like you could tell it was crowded, but nobody was being mean. Nobody nah. was being shovy. Yeah, none of the vendors were being like 
let me hawk this to you. Everybody was really like, just really zenned out and enjoying the environment that you provided. Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about how the, the only other really big free marketplaces were on like Elagrasso and really far out. Yeah. But also the only like big thrift places in general, you probably have to go to Orange to like find savers, Goodwill, stuff like that. Yeah, those are those are thrift stores yeah, like those and, are thrift stores and like, yeah you got to go far out or you got to go hit the goodwill bins in hamden but like yeah, but you're providing like all right it's not going to be every week but at least you know when you come here there's going to be some premium shit here yeah you're not going to find it the other places you're not going to be able to find it at thrift stores one because i mean this is what we do for a living so we're out of there course. hunting for it you know what i mean a novice like you know shopper is not going to have the same luck that like somebody like me who does this for a living has you're not gonna have the same connections, all that shit, right? That's why there's a premium on pieces. But also, like, you can go to a Goodwill every day for a week, and yeah. you'll start to notice that good shit does not come out at Goodwills. It does not come out at Savers. It does not even really come out at the bins like that. It's rare. it's rare. And not only that, I mean, these companies have e-commerce now, so they take pieces that are supposed to come out on the floor, and they sell it online on their own eBay pages or on their goodwilauctions.com. You're not going to find dope shit over there anymore. Uh, and if you do, it's going to be taxed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not going to find 2 $3 tees at Goodwill no more. No, not no more. I went, to Savers. <laughs> I went to Savers just recently. And like, this is coming from somebody whose mom used to force him to go to Savers Fact. all the time. So I saw the price hike, the progression. And yeah. I'm like, it's getting to the point that people are like, if I'm just paying this, for used clothes, I might as well just buy new clothes. Exactly. But the thing is with the things that forgotten flee, uh, between the things that people make, yeah, and the things that people find and sell, yeah, it that that aesthetic is just so rare to find, yeah, and like so priceless. People are searching through all those clothes. I have photos from that. Event. Yeah, people are searching through all those clothes like they're looking for treasure. Like, yeah, people are coming in and their eyes are like, because it's highly curated, like. At the state house events, you have, I think max we were able to do is like ten vendors, right? Uh-huh. So you got ten vendors who curated for a month and a half to have the best selection True. of vintage that they could have for you, whether it be, you know, lower tier vintage five ten dollar piles, which is still good shit. It's just maybe it's got a stain on it, or maybe it's just I have, you know, I hit a lick and I got fifteen of the same tees. Yeah, you know, fuck it, I'll put like five of them in there. Bless somebody, or. Yeah. You just throwing shit that you were sitting on. It's still a $50 tee, but you sat on it for two months. You're like, let me just move in and bless somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you have lower tier vintage or or, or cheaper cheaper scale vintage. And then you have all the way up to, to high tier premium, you know, collector's pieces, wrap tees, uh, uh, everything. Jeff Hamilton jackets, your, your, you know, crazy band tees, crazy like art tees, crazy movie tees, crazy, uh, you know. 60s denim like whatever you like you might want or you're into especially for vintage because it's a primarily vintage market mm-hmm. like we try to curate for everybody's taste and budget yeah you know what i mean because there's so many like ways to 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 style or dress vintage or just to collect it you know what i mean yeah. somebody who's into t-shirts from the 90s and somebody who's into you know french workwear from the 30s like they're both in the vintage and you look at them and you'll be like these are two completely different, different styles things, right two completely different styles things price points everything yeah. you know what i mean and it's like a lot of times people aren't into both but sometimes there's overlap but like we try to provide a space where like you're going to get a little bit of everything yeah 
90s t-shirts early 2000s streetwear you know 50s and and 40s workwear and like we just want to be able to 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 please everybody with that so like that's why people come in and their eyes light up they're like i'm waiting all month for this or or i've been waiting x amount of time for this because like you can't find that type of curation under one roof in connecticut nah and like i think another thing there's two things that you just said um that really brought to my attention um you mentioned price points and you know that new haven is primarily low income yeah let's be real and I noticed that when I went to Forgotten Flea, that piece, that that uh, jacket that I bought there was ten bucks, and it was the coolest looking thing. Yeah. So like, did you um know that coming in, and like adjusted things like um to that, like knowing like, okay, I know where I'm going, I know where I am, and I know that like there's a certain price point that people just aren't gonna shell out for vintage goods. Let me curate like this around it, or like did that never cross your mind it did kind of it crosses everybody's mind so if like if you've been doing this for a long time i've been doing this for almost 10 years just about 10 years now i think next year will make 10 so you popping champagne you feel what i'm saying <laughs> so like if you've been doing it for a long time doing markets reselling online especially doing markets you know that based on where you go certain cities will not like you said shell up x amount of dollars this is like they're you know you're gonna sell this or under like that's your price point and Yes and no. I thought about that with New Haven. So I'm born in New Haven, raised in New Haven. I live in Hamden right now, but I've lived in New Haven or Hamden my entire life. So um, like I know New Haven, like the back of my hands, my town, my city. So like I knew going into it, I, you know, and this is no matter where I go, I'm not expecting to sell something like this, but like I'm not going to sell a thousand dollar wrap tee. You know what I'm saying? I go to the city. I go to Philly. I go to Boston. I'm not expecting to sell a thousand dollar wrap tee. I'll bring them for show. Yeah. A lot of times it show pieces is eye candy. It's a conversation starter. It's an attention grabber. And, you know, in other cities that are bigger with a bigger vintage presence or a bigger streetwear presence, you might get a shop owner that'll come through to an event or whatever that might shell up some cash, but you don't expect that. Right. There's less shops in New Haven, so I definitely don't expect that. Um, So it wasn't like, oh, let me just bring cheap shit. It was like, let me hit every price point. But that's right. every market I go to. I try yeah. to bring something for every price point, five or $10 piles or a rack, and then just premium going up from there. But I I mean, most of the vendors, their items are not going to exceed $75. $75. I, I feel that. I feel like, you know, I know they're not going to just bring cheap stuff. But, you know, some people are like, well, I only, uh, you know, Go for the finest clientele. Yeah, you can't, yeah. If you can't buy it and don't buy it. Yeah. And I, I really think that's corny because I want people to understand that you can get fly on vintage and used stuff. And that's another thing that I wanted to bring up is that there's a lot of cool stuff that people pass up on because they hear the word used or thrift yeah. or vintage. Yeah. And like what people don't understand is like these things were popping. And they just been used a few, they've just been worn a few times. That's it. And that's it. The same, it's gonna happen to those new Jordans that you bought. Yep. And eventually they're gonna be vintage. Those jeans that you bought, eventually they're gonna be used. Yeah. As soon as you put them on, they're used. And I think people really sleep on that. I feel like there's there's a really big um what's the word am I looking for? Like people feel a type of way about there's it. There's a disconnect. There's there. a disconnect that thrift means poor yeah when like no i honestly think that if you find a really good fit to cut co like collection together 
at a thrift store or at Forgotten Flea, you really know how to dress. Yeah, because you, you're able to pick apart things from every. You mentioned a lot of eras of style, right? Yeah. There. If you can pick apart things from every era of style, and put it still together, be cohesive. That's you what know I'm saying, how to dress. Dude. Exactly. Anybody can throw on Jordans and some some Adidas sweatpants and anything, and just be like, "I'm fly. I'm yeah. good. I'm chilling." But like, you pull up to be like some Starberries, uh, a Forex, a Forex jeans, Facts. and 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 or or some overalls or something yeah. wild, and it looks good on you. I know that you can like dress and rock. Yeah, you it. got balls. You're you're willing to take risks, yes. and that's what fashion is about. I think expressing yourself in individuality. So like, whatever you want to wear at the end of the day is the right thing to wear, even if you do want to wear the Jordans or whatever. Yeah. It's like fuck it, that's what you want. But to say like you can dress better than whoever because they were thrifted shit is is corny. is bullshit it's to say the corny. least. Because like you have to have actual sense of style, like you said, to be able to put together like. Items could be a hundred years apart, and when they were made, if I give that to to like somebody who who talks down on vintage, they won't know how to put it together. Right. But you give it to somebody who has an open mind and an eye for it, they can definitely put it they together. Can definitely put it together, and that's what impresses me about all yeah. This. Everybody who was like African flea was like, I don't want to say dressed to the gills because they weren't really dressed up, but they were definitely showing out. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, like. They were definitely flexing why they were there. Most definitely. Um, do you have a favorite piece of flea market or th- or vintage uh, memorabilia that you found? Like something like this is, I point to this, this is my favorite. This is it. Piece that I own? Yes. Shit. Um, there's like a few that pop into my mind. I found recently, um, me and my buddy Alex were picking in the same spot. Um, and it shit came out right in front of us, and it landed in front of me. It was two dead stock pairs of uh, late sixties, early seventies DC, not the skate brand, just D E E C E E, uh, like Americana workwear jeans, both dead stock, tiny sizes. They're like a twenty eight by like thirty two yeah. or something weird, but just super sick. They're not worth crazy money, but it was just that Americana is just so dope to me, and like that was really sick to find because finding. Old workwear in general is hard, but to find it dead stock is even harder. Even yeah. if it's not worth crazy money, it's still hard to it's find. You don't hard, find yeah. it all the time. Um, that's probably not my favorite piece, but it's the most recent that really stuck with me. I, I know it's hard. It's tough because I do yeah. like I've gone through thousands, probably tens of thousands of different pieces over the last decade. So it's tough. But I think I got one story I go back to all the time. I was at the Goodwill bins um a few years ago myself and uh there's some other pickers there but a buddy of mine josh same situation that just happened with me and alex ben rolls out in front of us um we can either be dicks about it and fight over everything when, when they say go or we can do the mature thing rock paper scissors and, and and go that way so we rock paper scissored um i think we did and either he won or i won obviously and we were just like fuck it let's just split it like i'll take this one this one and this one we couldn't see what it was he was like i'll take this one this one and this one and so we split we're picking real slow next to each other, being polite. I toss him something. He tossed me something. We go back to our carts. We take a look. And um, I remember I, it was like one of the first like banger pieces I found was a um, like a Andasia tagged um, Cheshire Cat. There's like a black tee with like the Cheshire Cat on the front. And it's on the back, it's like, you're mad. I'm mad. We're all mad here or something like that. Wow. So I found that um, in the same bin, like right then and there, I found like a like an 80s um, Lord of the Rings, like it was a, a graphic from the from the novels 
that was like in on the... it was it was screen printed on the shirt but it was just this crazy graphic that like you don't uh-huh. see that there was a titanic movie print t there was um some other just like trippy like mushroom drug related uh-huh. shit just a whole bin of just dope shit and that one stuck with me because it was my first big hit this was like five years ago so it was the first time like i hit big on some sick shit that like i found that was worth some serious money I wouldn't say that was my favorite, but it was probably one of my most fonded memories. memories yeah, yeah, of of picking that was like a real good day. I'm just... All right. Um, have you ever thought about having a brick and mortar store? Yeah. So. Yes. In short, yes. In long, um, it's tough because. It, it there's a lot more that goes into it than like most people think about everybody who gets into vintage one of their first thoughts after they make some serious money they might go to an event make a thousand two thousand bucks and be like fuck it like i need to open a store yeah. slow your roll you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. take time to learn the market take time to see if you can even adjust with the trends because they change just like every other fashion changes streetwear changes high fashion changes sportwear changes vintage changes it's moving away from t-shirts. It's moving more into that older true vintage, um, you know, seventies and earlier pieces. Workwear is becoming hot. Uh, simplicity is becoming hot again. Um, and individuality is becoming hot again. So it's like, just slow your roll and, and really think if you can keep up with it. But so that's what I've been doing for a long time is seeing if I can keep up with it. I obviously can, cause I've been doing it for a long time. So I'm at a point where I'm like, fuck it. That's the next logical progression of my, my career is to do that. So yes. And I'm working on that. Um, as we speak with somebody, uh-huh. um, I can't speak too much on it, Of course not. but like aiming for downtown New Haven, aiming for this year or next. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Like going like possibly by the summer, but more likely like towards the end of the year. That, if you manage summer, that it would be opening sick. It would be sick. is going to be crazy. Yeah, it'd be sick. The opening is going to be I'd sick. I'd rather do that, but if it just doesn't make sense, like for the, the spot that I'm looking at, that we're looking at, um, if it's not ready by then, then it's just not ready. But, oh, yeah, of course not. But um, if it works out that way, then most definitely. But it it's also comes down to inventory, too. Like, you can't just rely on thrift stores to, to feed a store, a brick-and-mortar store, especially somewhere where there's going to be high-volume traffic. You you know, as much as I, I'm in the bins and I can hire somebody to help me pick and shit like that, it's still not enough. So that's another thing, going back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago, like to the young people who are getting into it and they want to rush into it, make sure you can keep up with like whatever demand you think you're going to have. Find wholesalers, find people who are going to sell you stuff at good prices so you can resell it and find people who know the trends as well. You can't just be buying wholesale from anybody that's sitting on their yeah. shit. And the trends are are, are shifting by, yeah. and, and they're trying to dump last trends shit on you. Like you might could still move it, but not as fast or for not as much right. money. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's all about like paying attention to all that shit. It's a lot more business than young people doing it really even realize. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't get that. I feel like when it comes to like people are always quick to when they are passionate about something and they find that success the first time around, yep. they're like, Okay, it's time for me to let me make it real in their yeah, mind. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And then you just end up overwhelming yourself. Like to to use an example, personal example, the first edition of this podcast. Yeah. Um, we was really like hammering stuff out, and we were making so many plans. And then 
eventually, you know, it started to turn into work. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, we all have work to do, but like we already had jobs and all the things that we were planning just kind of, I wouldn't say blew up in our faces, but we weren't ready to take on the task of doing something like that. So I understand you have to kind of keep realistic expectations in your mind. You have to, yeah. To know that like, all right, things aren't always going to pan out in my favor when I do this. And I have to be ready to anticipate those L's when they come, but also take those W's when they come too. Yeah, facts. Um, I feel like a lot of people who start businesses are very hard on themselves when things don't go particularly well. Yeah. And it's human nature. You can't be mad at yourself for feeling that way. Nobody wants to fail at stuff. But something that I feel like people would learn from you, hopefully learn from this podcast and hopefully learn from people, other people that I bring on is that it's okay if t- if things take a few tries, as long as you're really passionate about what you're doing, it's going to come. Yeah, you'll it's, work it out eventually. Come. It just takes time. Yeah. Like you said, it takes passion. You can't just want to do something because it makes you money. I mean, you can. Yeah. And you might can make it work. But in my experience, it won't work as well. And it won't come off as organic to your audience, no matter what it is, if you're not passionate about it, because it's just never going to translate the right way. You're not going to have the nuances in your business or whatever it is. You're not going to have just anything that, again, it just doesn't Consumers know. Oh, yeah. When when you're bullshitting, they they know. 100%. When they walk through those doors, if if you're you're about it or not. not. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they have a sixth sense because they're not going to want to spend money at a place where people aren't. They don't want funk to be faked. Nah. They want to know that, like, this is legit stuff that I'm having, and you're really legit about your business. Yeah. And, you know, how old are you? I'll be 26 in, like, three weeks. I'm I'm turning 27 this year. Nice. Um, I consider us still young folks. I um, feel old as fuck, I, man. I'll yo, tell you my that. My back be killing Mine me every too, morning. Man. Every but morning. At the, end, at the same time, though, we're still in that age group where, like, 18 year olds to like early 20 year olds would still listen to us and yeah, not think facts. we're just old fool facts, facts. so like when i say that is to say that when we're young we're so impatient and like we have grand dreams with really small plans yeah and that leads to a lot of frustrations and Another thing that we have to learn is to plan and we have to plan really carefully, especially when it comes to business, especially when it comes to a business like yours, because this is something that like at the end of the day, if I don't want to do it anymore, there's just won't be any more episodes. Yeah. But you have something tangible and people are coming to like these events that you're hosting and that takes a lot of planning. And I think that's very inspiring to see somebody around their age to be doing something this big. It I shows that you that. can do it. Yeah. It just shows that you can do it. And I think we need more people to show other people in New Haven like this is possible. I think so too, man. Yeah. I think that's hella important. This is possible. And, and honestly, not to sound cliche or even fucking corny, but like anything really is possible. Like if you really want it, but it comes down to proper yes. planning. Like you can't just you can want it as bad as you want, but if you have poor execution, like and you can't budget and oh, you can't, yes. you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just not going to happen, bro. I don't care how much you want it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think on the other side of that, I I do want to inspire people not to sound cliche or corny again. Like, I want people to look at the Forgotten Fleas. I am a young person that's doing it, and that's dope as hell, and I want people to feel inspired. But I don't want the market to get oversaturated. Uh, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't want everybody to be like, oh, you know, 
time to get my LLC. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not, <laughs> it's, it's really not for everybody. Not, not. Like this this life, like people people might get into like entrepreneurship again. That's a corny word, I think, but yeah. they might get into working for themselves because they want to work less or whatever. Let me tell you something right now. I I work every single day from the moment I open my eyes until I close my eyes, and that's no bullshit. I work when I go on dates with my girl. I work on my birthday. I work when I take my mom to the doctors and she's in there. I'm on my phone working. Like I'm cold calling. I'm cold calling uh, leads about like potential buyouts. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Always listing. Always trying to sell. Always planning uh, the next fleet, whatever it's going to be. Always trying to talk with such and such about ideas. Um, trying to get new vendors. I just left. Um, I'm not even gonna name drop. I just left somebody though, pretty big brand. We were talking, we're working on something big too for uh, like a forgotten fleet out in Bridgeport. Like I got two that I'm doing in Hartford, one in Hartford, one in West Hartford. The next like six months for forgotten fleet and show and tell is already booked ahead of time. And that's at least to a month. That's without me adding any more, but I probably will. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, who the fuck do you know? I got six months of whatever to, you know what I'm saying? Right. Booked up ahead of time. If you think you're going to do this, and and just do whatever you want and make buttloads of money. Not working you're sorely way. mistaken. It's not gonna happen, and you're not gonna make a lot of money when it starts out because mm-hmm. you're gonna fuck up a lot. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to like overcome that, weather that storm, learn how to budget, and learn how to really handle money. There's no cushion of a nine to five. There's no nah. I can call out and use my hours to still get paid. No sick time. There's no sick time. You know how many lung infections I worked through because I was picking through dirty basements and like I I have asthma, so I got like a, like upper respiratory infections, pneumonia. I worked through COVID every time I got it. I didn't take no time off. I still work. You don't get to you stop get working. To stop Hell working. no. You got to keep going, bro. And, and, and like, you brought up a really good point that people think that you're going to work less. And like, like, like I just said, like, there's no ball. Bo- you're your boss. Yeah. You need to like wake up and like do this for yourself every day. If you every want morning. food on the table, you got to work for that shit yourself. Every single day, Every bro. single day. And this from somebody who didn't even work for themselves. I just worked from home. And that's the, tough. And it's tough, right? <laughs> I worked from home after going through a car accident yeah. and losing two of my jobs and having to go to school from home. Sheesh. Yeah. Working from home has still having a nine to five, but you know, like you're home and you might be off the clock. This isn't just me talking. That's me yeah. regular nine to five. Yeah. You might be off the clock. But because you've been working at home this whole time, you don't feel like you're away from work. Yeah. You feel like you're at home. That's me working at nine to five. Yeah. Imagine you manning this by your, like, you know, you have your helpers, but like this is man, this is mainly your operation. Yeah. So like there's no, all right, it's five o'clock, I can clock out. It's all right, I might be able to close my eyes for maybe like 20 minutes before my phone calls again, and yeah. then I have to answer it because yeah. it might be a really important phone call. Yeah, some shit that I was waiting on, right? whatever the case may be. And and you get sick work you 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 feel ill work you feel depressed work you feel happy work and there's no there's no end but you really need it if you really want this the money don't give a fuck how you feel or what the fuck is going on and you just got to think about it like this if you're not if you're not making that money somebody else is is. and why would you let anybody else out hustle you and make your money you know what i'm saying when i look at when i think about it like that it's like they're stealing my fucking money. And exactly. I just can't let it happen. Yeah, I just like, can't let that happen. Exactly. You're like, nah, there's no way I can let this. Nah, I let like, this fly. I can't tell you how many times, like, I was done <laughs> working for the day. 
or like I thought what I was. You thought, yeah. I thought I was, right? <laughs> and like I, I go home and then like somebody hits me like, oh, I'm looking to X, Y, and Z, need to buy this wholesale. I'm like, it's 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. My my studio is in West Haven. So I live in Hamden, right? It's like 10, 12 minute drive. Yeah. I'm done. Just showered. I'm in bed with my girl. I'm like, fuck it. Like he wants to come spend 500 bucks. Like I'm going to go meet him right now. Like yeah. that's just it. It's it's just like, that's just all there is to it. You know what I'm saying? Because if he don't, if I don't make that sale or whatever, he's going to hit up somebody else who's going to make it happen. Gonna make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, why would I not do that? My brother, he makes he makes art, visual art. I'll Sick. show you some after um, the pod. He makes visual art. And again, like, he has to be up to sell these pieces. I If he has to drive to Atlanta yeah. to sell these pieces, he's, he's driving to Atlanta to sell these pieces. If he has to schmooze up with some corporate bigwigs to get these pieces out, even if he doesn't feel one, you got to do it, man. You have to. Because you're your own boss. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. Uh And, you know, you have to be realistic with yourself. Am I self sufficient enough to do this by myself? And if you have to hesitate in that answer, you know, of course it needs some thought. Yeah. You can't rush into that. But, like, if if you're like, I don't know. Then maybe this ain't for you. Yeah, you know maybe I mean? it's not for you. Yeah. Maybe it's not, and that's okay. It's and that not is okay. No, it's not for everybody. My 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 uh younger brother Tom, he he's got a, a college degree. He's going back to get his master's, raising the same family, same house. We went through everything, the same shit growing up. We're the same person. We're very different, but we're very much the same yeah. person. And he's resold. He's in the fashion and the vintage and shit like that. But a nine to five is just more comfortable for him. For him, yeah. And it works better for his schedule, for his goals, for what he wants, for what's going on in his life. And we're like the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you could be so similar to somebody being to the same shit. But if it ain't for you, it just it ain't, ain't for you. you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You. And there's no reason to like force it. You know what I'm saying? It's when just you like force things that does not. It's work. not gonna work. No, nah, I mean you could work, work, and people. I think sometimes get lost in working hard and forcing it. Yes. You you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like I just get so like lost in that. I'm I'm a huge anime nerd, so I'm going to use um a Dragon Ball Z reference. So, um I don't know if you've watched Dragon Ball Z. I feel like When I was growing it. up, everybody yeah. seen it. Yeah. So, um there was a part in uh the Cell Saga where uh, Goku and Gohan just came out of the the chamber and like people were talking about going back in and he said something about at one at some point, training just becomes you torturing your body. Facts. And it's like that for a lot of things. You know, at one point, your passion can turn into something that can hurt you if you're not doing it right. Yeah. Um. There, There's a song that I heard that, like, essentially he said that, like, I'm so passionate about what I'm doing, but, like, everything else is getting pushed away because of how passionate I am. And sometimes it's going to be like that for some of the things that you do. And it's an unfortunate part of things that we have to do. Yeah. But it's also one of the realistic parts of things that we have to do. And I don't think, um, I don't want to say, I don't think people are ready for that. I don't think a lot of people understand that part. Yeah. That's a better part. That's a better way to put it. A lot of people don't get like the sacrifice that goes into it. And like, how it's it you might fall in and out of love with your passion like yeah. over a course of i'll use myself for example 10 years you might fall in and out of love with it over 10 years because you're you're working so hard at it that it becomes such work yeah. that like 
you're like, what the fuck? I got into this because I was interested. Now it's a job and I hate it. Because nobody likes working. Nobody, nobody likes, likes working, working for anything. Even if it's for something you love, eventually it becomes work and you don't love it anymore. Exactly. Or you don't love it as much. But then you fall back in. You fall back in love with it. And, it, you know, that's just like love in real life. It's it's It takes work. You know what I'm saying? You might hate your girl one day, love, love her the next because you guys, you know, whatever. But like, it's just a, a, a give and take and you have to make a lot of sacrifices to make it work. And I'm still making sacrifices. I'm still finding new things that I have to like adjust to as I'm going because I'm only not even 26 years old yet. No, you're not. And I've only been taking it serious full time for about five years. So like, I don't know, like, it's a learning process. So like, I try to like, remember that and also remember that there's no exact science to it either. No, there's not. You know what I mean? There's no rule book. There's no handbook. There's no, I mean, yes, people have written books about how to be a self-sufficient business person, but like, you know, to, to give a quote from the word, yeah, I got an iced out Bible on my neck. It's crazy. <laughs> um, to give a quote for the to the word, faith without work is dead. You can only have so much faith. You have to put in the work still, and um, you know, nobody likes working. It's it's almost become a phobia of work. Yeah, and it's a rightful phobia, and you know, because even when you're working for somebody, things can go wrong. Always and you know you're working for yourself sure but like there's still a lot of pieces that go into every one of your events if somebody's not coming through with something that you need a lot of things can fall apart yeah um how do you take how do you handle relying on people like that i don't rely on anybody that's how i handle it i make sure that like the only thing i rely on is the venue to be open that day and for the the other vendors to get there on time that's like it and i don't even rely on that and i love all everybody that's ever vended with me they've all helped make it what it is now and what it's continuing to grow to be so it's not a diss but i don't rely on anything you know what i'm saying i know that i'm gonna come correct i know that my vendors are gonna come correct i don't rely on that i just know that um whether they get there on time or not i don't know but they'll get there they'll set up and after that it's just gravy i don't i don't, I don't there's nothing to really nothing yeah, to really yeah, rely yeah, on man yeah. i just know that like it's just this is how it's gonna work now i guess like the only thing yeah relying that the venue the yeah, you know open. old boy is there early to open it up for us and we can get in and set up that's the only thing man because i know the people are gonna come i know they're gonna love it because we're putting on uh, like a great market like we're not coming with bullshit we're coming correct every single time so it's just i don't know yeah i feel you yeah a few more questions before we wrap For up. Sure. This has been great. Um, do you have any funny forgotten flea stories? Funny? <laughs> I mean, we always crack jokes. Me and homies always talk shit, crack jokes throughout the whole day. Um, damn, a funny story. Or, or memories that like stand out to you like. Yeah, I, I guess I can go back to the one I was talking about a little bit ago when like when I finally figured out the recipe for the right type of advertisement, how to like do it everything, the right amount of money, how long to run it. When I figured out the advertising, because advertising is everything, when yes. I figured out that side of it, dude, and, like, we did that big one, it was at the be- like the end of last, it was the uh, beginning of the summer, I think. Because, because. It was end of the spring, beginning yeah. of the summer last year, when I, like, one of the big, big, big ones that we did at the um skate park, when we had, like, over a thousand shoppers come through. I remember, like, I was smoking a blunt with my girl, like, 
and we were just there, you know, vending and, and make sure everything was going good. And it was just so many people that were there. And I was just like, I was taken back because I was like, wow, like I never expected this many people to come out and fuck with it. I never expected to reach this big of an audience. I never expected any of that. So like the fact that it did and I'm not even where I wanted to be with it and I've already like exceeded my expectations of it, like was it was almost earth shattering. I didn't yeah, expect right. that like at all. And like I was it was just it's leaving me speechless now thinking about it again. No, I was like, I, I was I like, see it, dude. like <laughs> it was just crazy. That was probably my fondest memory. And it was the one that sticks with me the most. And like, it's, it's almost like a drug. Like I, that was a high and uh-huh. I'm like chasing that and chasing to get higher and higher, higher, higher on that yeah. feeling of like success. exceeding my yeah success and exceeding my own expectations. Cause I don't give a fuck what anybody else feels or thinks about what I'm doing. Right. I care about how I feel about it. And that's the most important thing. And so like, I don't want to let myself down uh-huh. and I just want to keep feeling that feeling that success. Like yeah. Chasing that dragon. Yeah. Like, I'm winning. Like I'm him. Like yeah. I'm really doing this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel that. Um, what? So like when you look for things, right? I know everybody's different because fashion is subjective. Yeah. What catches your eye when you go searching? Like what is like, oh, yo, like this is it. So it's old stuff in general. Okay. If I just see something that's old, so like, there, there's everything's gonna catch my eye, uh-huh. and I've been doing it for so long that like I can skim through racks and look at like the collars and the sleeves, uh-huh. and kind of know for the most part. I'll double check on shit and I'll get faked out here and there. But if I'm at like a regular Goodwill or, or Salvation Army, I'll skim through the racks without even looking half the time and just looking at at collars and hems and and kind of knowing for the most part what uh-huh. is what. Um. And I'll double check if I have to or from, um, you know, I'll second guess myself or whatever, but I can just see it. Right. So, like, I'll grab anything that looks decently old and I'm usually I'm right on what it is or what it could be, uh, what tag the shirt is on, like all that shit. Um, what, like, catches my eye for real where I'm like, damn, that's a piece is, again, like anything that's old because the older it is, the harder it is to find, especially in decent condition or even with a decent graphic, like fashion back in the 70s and earlier wasn't what it is today Today, no it was it was so much easier to have like little random brands or little random like people screen printing t-shirts or embroidering on on whatever the fuck jackets crewnecks whatever so like you're gonna find all these cool little miscellaneous like one-off pieces all over the place which is sick as fuck so like that shit catches my eye more than anything uh and just rare stuff stuff that like you got to know to know if you're in the, if you're in the business, you know, rap tees, I collect them. So like, if I find a rap tee, I'm going crazy. Um, if I find like crazy old Levi's biggies, like, you know, all the standard shit, like, obviously I'm gonna go crazy, but really it's just like anything that's like super unique, obviously old, but anything that's like unique, man, it might just be Wait, out of sight. Like, yeah, yeah. Like something that like you would see it and you, you know, even me, I'm gonna have to look it up at this point. Like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what, what's on this shirt. Let me double check this. That's where I'm like, wow, like it even stumped me or it could stump somebody who's been in it even longer than me. You're like, that's sick as fuck. So it's something that teaches me something or that stumps me. That's what really that's what gets really me. Gets yeah. Do, do you, have you ever thought about doing a vlog for your searches? I've thought about it and I talked about it with a homie of mine. Um, but not even a gatekeep. I just feel like that's giving up too much sauce. Too much sauce. Too right, much. Right, yeah. yeah. Like I, I had to work hard to like figure a lot of shit out. I'm down to teach people if they show me that they're willing to yeah. learn it. But like just to put it on, just I put mean, free game out. Yeah. There. Like, you have to be a little selfish. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. Even though 
I mean, a lot of what I'm getting isn't even in in this state. I'm getting a lot of shit from down south. Right. I'm getting boxes sent up to me. It's a different level of shit. It's a different level. It's not like, and there's no knock to anybody that does this, but it's not like I'm a reseller that's relying strictly on like the Goodwills out here and the Senate third just to like stock their racks or whatever, to stock their whatever. It's no hate on any of those people, but like if you want to level it up, in my opinion, you have to outsource. And like if I got a guy in Texas, for example, which I do, he's in rag houses down there. He's plugging me in, sending me boxes every week, videos of, you know, I just open up this pants bale or whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Here's all these pants I have for you. Here's all these tees. I got this, you know, all whites bale for X amount of dollars. I'll break it down for you, send you everything in it. Like that's, it's ideal because at that point, you can just get so much for a Different good price. Stuff. Yeah. And just so much quantity right. of like whatever you need. You know what I'm saying? So like I might at this point, I'm getting like two to three boxes of pants a week of like 15 to 20 pairs each. It's not a lot, but it's a it's, lot it's at the same lot. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, yeah. So it's like put it in perspective. You might go to Goodwill and find like maybe one or two decent pairs like, of pants to yeah. flip. You're not even just for yourself, just to flip. And it's going to be hard because everybody else that seen it on TikTok thinks that they could do the same fucking thing, which they can, because that's what it's there for. Yeah, but yeah. like, but like, if you really want to be like a successful, it's one thing to for it to be a hobby. It's yeah. a whole other thing for it to be exactly, a yeah. exactly. So if you're trying to make money off of it, and you got how many colleges we got around New Haven and Hamden, West Haven, bro, it's like 15 yeah, of them. Yeah, bro. So like, and every college kid is on TikTok. So every college kid that's on TikTok has seen it's, thrifting and vintage, right? And so all those college kids on TikTok that are into thrifting and vintage, vintage are now at every single thrift store around kicking it. Which is again really which cool. is awesome for the community and for the culture of it. But if you're trying to make money off of it, it's hard. You're shit out of luck. Yeah, it's difficult. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, yes, I've thought about making vlog videos, uh-huh. but there's already so much out there. Yeah. About the racks and the bins and X, Y, and Z. I can't really make a video to show you like, oh, this is my guy in Texas and this is what he sends me. Hey, yeah. that, that's just, that's too, just much. too much. Yeah, that's I could. Much. I was thinking about maybe doing like unboxing videos. That's or what I thought. Wholesale like, trip oh, videos if yeah. I like do tax. I do, you know, tax sales, estate sales. You got to do all that shit for fun and for sourcing. So like maybe take a camera and maybe do that stuff uh-huh. or have somebody come and like film the events. We were just talking about that act. That would be cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do like a mashup or like a vlog of the events or like a little you know, whatever, something like that we've talked about, but like uh filming me source only if I was like doing an out of the way pick that like, you know, might have hit a lick out of town way far out and like I'm picking somebody's barn or something like that yeah. or something like that. Something, something where like Worse you unique. can't really trace it back. Exactly. At, but it's cool enough that it's that worth you want to show it all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how many videos are online of people just skimming through racks? And a lot. You know what I'm saying? And Why I'm would like, I make like, another hey, one? You're picking bullshit. It's like, it's like, you're picking good shit. <laughs> yeah, you're seriously. That's because everything's picked over. Now. Everything's picked over. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard. But that being said, um, before I say, first of all, thank you for coming. No problem. I appreciate it, bro. This me. is awesome. I would just like to say when I first met Mateo at Forgotten Flea, you were so humble and so cool. I thought you was one of the shoppers. <laughs> and that's what I really like about you is that like you're really uh you're easy you're really easy to like come up to and talk to. I try to be. And a lot of people when they run stuff, they like to have like that air of superiority, like I <laughs> like I'm looking down at y'all. I'm up on my high tower, I'm looking down at y'all. Look at look at all these peasant shops. Yeah. But like you're you were really just like right next to me though. Not like the whole time that you were following me. Like I turned around. Oh shoot! Yeah, there's the guy who ran it. There's Mateo. I'm like, oh stop! You're really right here. You're approachable. You were nice, um, and that's really nice to see because 
we need more of that to inspire people Hell to yeah. come out to these events everybody knows and what i try to explain to people who don't know is that it's all about the way that you come up to people yeah on the result that you get for them yeah you come up like an elitist asshole you're not gonna get people, people to, ain't gonna like, fuck to support with you. your shit nah. but like you have somebody who you are right in in the mosh with us you were right there standing with us laughing with us joking around with people Hell taking yeah. photos with people you were like that at the plush event and to have a person like that starting having something that big and being that cool i, I appreciate that, that really bro. thank you yeah that, bro. i really appreciate that and that's that's not i don't do that for a business thing. that's just who i am yeah. i think anybody who knows me can attest to that i wasn't always like that i was a little bit of an asshole growing up everybody is everybody you know what is saying? yeah we're all attitudes and shit. Yeah, yeah but like as i became an adult just just chill out be you humble yourself yeah up. you know what i mean and that's just who i am on a regular like always polite always approachable always talkative yeah, uh people person always been like that and we love that and it yeah. was nice to have you on the way thank you i appreciate uh, I hope that. to have you again yeah most definitely uh, there's actually something i want to discuss with you but i'll discuss with that off my all phone. right bet sounds but good like yes thank you akili do you have any words i <laughs> <laughs> all right fellow waivers see you soon